We are concluding today our series on the fruits of the Spirit, which we started nine weeks ago. This is week 10 of the fruits of the Spirit, which we find from Galatians chapter 5. It says 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's been a journey over the weeks as we've been looking at each of these characteristics, virtues that describe the nature of who God is. And we've been looking at them and we've been encouraging one another in our teachings and in our relationships with each other to continue to press into relationship with Jesus in whatever practice or practices that you are doing on a daily basis that we become more and more like Jesus. And as we do that, we display these very same virtues like God himself. We become like him the more time that we spend with him and we demonstrate these very things. And so week 10, we're gonna be talking about uh, what self-control is and what it means. And as we do that, before we do that, uh, I wonder would it be helpful for us just simply where we are right now listening is just to reflect a little over those words and think, goodness, what are the things, what are the areas of my life that I have been growing in or I'm inviting God to, uh, to do more in me so that I can become and demonstrate that particular uh, fruit in greater measure. Wonder what that is. Talk amongst yourselves, talk to one another, should I say about that, talk to Jesus about the aerial areas that you're wanting to grow in. But anyway, self-control. Ordinarily at this point, I'd be turning to Chantel and saying, okay, come on, give us a definition. But me, myself and I, here's the best I, I could do. Self-control, according to Wikipedia, simply says this, it's an aspect of inhibitory control, is the ability to regulate one's emotions, thoughts and behavior in the face of temptations and impulses. So it's about controlling our own emotions and our behaviours and not giving in to temptation or giving in to behaviour that may well be destructive either to ourselves or to other people and sometimes both. As I was reading around the subject I came across another definition by a Christian writer and uh, this person wrote about self-control. Uh, she wrote, to exercise self-control is to discipline ourselves, set boundaries, and rule over our actions. A lack of self-control then leads to the free reign of fleshly, worldly patterns that end up exercising control over us. There are some significant areas in life, patterns of behavior that we can actually fall into step by step, which actually end up controlling us. And what we're really referring to, and the time that we have here this morning, are exercising self-control in, in the way that we speak, in the way that we behave, the way that we act, but also in the way in which we think as well. That we would uh, kind of have a degree of mastery over the, the destructive behaviours of which we can all fall foul of. And uh, we've said this time and time again, the more that we know the person of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, the more we become like him and we begin to behave like him as well, um, the less we behave in some of those destructive ways. And we can just get a greater grip, really, 
on ourselves, on our life, and how we choose to live it. So, three things. What do we say? Well, uh, James writes in chapter 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James talks about horses. I know nothing about horses, but what I do understand is you put a bit into the mouth, and I think it's what you tug on the reins of a horse, and you can control this really large animal simply by a small piece. He uses the analogy of a rudder at the end of a ship. It may well be a small element to the boat, but what by changing the, the direction of the rudder can actually change the course and the direction of the entire boat itself. The third analogy that he uses is a small spark, just something that can that can be lit, but in the in a forest can actually make way for incredible devastation among the forest. And he uses brilliantly those three examples that our words, whilst they might be small, or our tongues, which is a small part of our body, it can make great boasts, and it can our words can be, are incredibly powerful. They can bring life but equally they can create death as well. I mean, they can, they can cause great destruction and devastation by the things that actually come out of our mouths. And so exercising self-control in terms of our tongues and our mouths and the words that come out of them uh, will, will serve us really well in our lifetime. I'm sure all of you listening at home, uh, at one point or many points of our lives, we have fallen foul of saying the wrong thing. And before we know it, the words are out and we just can't kind of shove them back in and the damage is done. And so just a couple of things I want to say. We did this on a, on a previous teaching a number of weeks ago. And the first one is, is speak less. Proverbs 10, 19 says, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Or put a different way, uh, from a different translation, when words are many, transgression is not lacking but whoever restrains his lips is prudent do the maths speak less you have a less chance of actually saying the wrong thing and one of the things that i have become i, I become quite comfortable with often in conversation is people that nearly sit back without jumping into the conversation often and they're reflective before they open their mouths and speak I tend not to be that kind of person. If you know me well, I, I, I'm uh, like an uh, external processor. I like to uh, process actually what I'm thinking by speaking, which can be really damaging and really dangerous sometimes. And I often have to kind of clarify as I'm doing that in discussion is like, I'm just thinking out loud as I'm speaking. And sometimes that can not be good. You know, it's much better to actually uh, not speak so much. And the second one is really what I'm already saying is, is think before we speak. Take, take a moment before we actually open our mouths and, and, and share things. We've said this before, a uh, fantastic acronym using the word think. 
uh, is a really good way of applying the words that we say. T stands for true. Is what we say true? If, if it's not, don't say it. Don't pass on rumour. Don't uh, say words just simply because it's what you think uh, is true about a certain situation. It's your reflection. You've heard of something. You interpret it yourself. You put your own spin and then you put your own language to it. If it's not actually accurate and true, then we shouldn't be saying those words. H is, is it helpful, is what we're saying. Helpful. I is for, is it inspiring? N is, is it necessary? Is it necessary to, to use these words? And consider the motivation behind what you're sharing. Is it uh, for the benefit of the hearer? Or is it for your benefit? You just want to say it. Or is it for both of you? Now, Sometimes we do need to speak up and we do need to share things and not be silent. Okay, is for, is it kind? Again, sometimes when we actually speak, it, they might actually be difficult words. They may be truthful and the motivation behind it is necessary. But is it kind? Because sometimes it can be really uncomfortable, especially when we speak the truth, when we know the here is not going to like it. But if the motivation is about winning the person, then, then there's a, a case for that. That's, that's part and parcel of what it means to be within the body of Christ in terms of encouraging one another and sharing the truth with each other in a way that is helpful, that is a, a way of winning that person and pointing them closer to Jesus. Guarding our tongues and exercising self-control on the things that we say is really, really important. And with that, I would include the things that we write as well especially what we write in text messages and emails and, and especially social media where many can see the things that we're saying. Uh, in fact, we actually have a bit more time, don't we, when we're writing something. We can write it in a certain way. Um, and so we've got a bit of time there, but just think and consider, you know, about the content and the motivation and everything about that. So as well as what we say, it's also important that we exercise self-control in what we do, our actual behaviour, the way that we conduct ourselves and the things that we do. I don't know if any one of us ever sets out to have an affair or to make themselves bankrupt or to abuse their spouse or to become a heroin user or in, in, you know, to, to cause physical harm, significant physical harm to someone. Like no one wakes up that morning and thinks, oh yeah, that's a good idea, we're gonna do that. Like that's utterly ridiculous. Everything that I've just described there, listed there, incredibly destructive behaviors and actions. It's not someone just chooses simply to do that. But what's led to that most extreme behavior are lots and lots of little behaviors along the way. Choices, decisions, habits formed, behaviors that started uh, maybe way back when, that built upon one after the other and simply can lead to something really destructive. Now, I'm not for one second saying that we're all going to go out and do those destructive things. What we are talking about, though, are choices and behaviours that we can easily slip into. And some things, actually, we could innocently, you know, slip into uh, behaviours that get a grip of us that actually end up controlling and mastering us rather than us mastering these other things. And it's important that we exercise a degree of self-control over 
and, and guarding ourselves from falling into uh, the wrong ways of living. James writes in chapter 1, he talks about temptation in a really helpful way. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Our experience is the more that we abide in him, the more we spend in, in his presence, God's presence, the more control that we have when the evil one, who is the tempter, comes and tempts and puts things in our path. I remember years ago at university, uh, listening to uh, a church leader, someone I really respected, uh, respect, who, who spoke and he, and he held his Bible up and he just simply kind of waved it and it kind of said, uh, the, the sin keeps us from reading this, but by reading this, will keep us from sin. And of course, reading the scriptures is a, is a basic uh, way of growing closer to God, knowing and understanding and deepening our relationship with God. It's one of many practices or, or good positive habits that we have talked about and shared many, many times. And it's important that as we do those things, it, it keeps us, it gives us a degree of self-control over actions and behaviours which are just really, really unhelpful. And then lastly, that we would impose or, or have a, a degree of self-control over our thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 from a particular version reads like this, above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. What we pay attention to up here has a significant impact on our emotions, the way we feel, but also on our actions. What we think about ourselves, what we think about each other, what we think about the world, what, what we think about God can really have a significant impact in the way in which we act. And the more that we give um, space and time to destructive thoughts and unpleasant thoughts can really begin to shape who we are. Rick Warren, who's a well-known Christian leader, uh, wrote this thing uh, some time ago when I read it. I thought, oh my goodness, that's brilliant. Uh, I don't have it word for word, but it was so good, I remember the gist of it. So here's what I think he sort of said. He said something like this, birds will fly around their heads, uh, or, uh, or can fly around their heads, but we don't. Uh, I've got it completely wrong. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> so embarrassing. Something along the lines of, that birds fly around, but we don't have to let them nest in our heads. I'm really doing it so badly. I really should have researched it, shouldn't I? This is so embarrassing. It's so good Chantel's not here. Anyway, the point is thoughts are going to come and thoughts are going to enter into our head, but we don't necessarily need to, to allow them to, to, to nest in our heads. We don't need them to remain and be a part uh, we don't need to dwell on our thoughts is what I'm saying. So every one of us have thousands of thoughts each and every single day. Some of them are nice, some of them are not so nice. Some of them are bad, some of them are good. Some of them are helpful or fun or exciting and some can be actually fearful and scary. And so we have a mixture of these thoughts. 
Now, some of them, uh, they, they all come from different sources. So we can have our own thoughts ourselves and we just simply could be thinking deliberately and choosing to deliberately think about, oh my goodness, I need to uh, hang out the washing because it's nice and sunny outside. That's a good thought. And that's a thought that we uh, are responsible for. Or it could be um, a God thought that some, you know, we could be walking down the street and, and someone just pops into our head and we have with it this thought of, oh, I need to contact such and such. And that could be a God thought. Or it could simply be as we're out and about walking and we see something in nature and we're like, wow, isn't that incredible? And God speaks to us through our thoughts and our emotions as we reflect and as we see. Equally, another source can be the enemy, can be the evil one, and who seeds, uh, who sows seeds of, of, of doubt and of fear, and uh, which can create anxiety as an emotion in us through all manner of unpleasant uh, thoughts. And it's important that we understand and we know the source of where each of these thoughts come from. It's the more destructive ones that I'm obviously referring to when we're talking about exercising self-control, that we don't allow those destructive things to set root in our heads and then control our emotions. Uh, it is important that we don't pay too much attention to that stuff. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And it's important that we when we see that, when we, uh, we don't see that, when we experience that, that we understand what it is and just simply let it pass. Going back to the Rick Warren disastrous analogy, we just let the bird simply fly by instead of it allowing it to take up root and to, to kind of make a nest. We got there in the end on that one. Paul writes in Philippians, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. As we exercise self-control in our thoughts, in the pattern of our thinking, we can put a stop to negative and destructive thoughts and we can choose to think and to ponder, to meditate, on other uh, more godly, more wholesome, more helpful ways of thinking. So self-control, we all need a bit of it, don't we? Sometimes we get a little bit out of control and we end up doing things, we end up saying things, and then we'd rather not afterwards, we kind of reflect on that. The more we invite the presence of God into our lives, the more we're able to respond in given situations more like Jesus. Here concludes our time looking at the fruits of the Spirit. What we thought we would do simply to kind of cap this off is to, is to share in communion together. And uh, so I have with me some bread and I have some blackcurrant juice and I would just encourage you wherever you are at home watching this, if you'd like to share in this and partake in this, just simply get your, get your own and we can do this through together. So uh, you might be hitting pause at this point, or you might be scurrying off into the kitchen and, and getting what you need if you haven't got yourself ready and organized and prepared. But what I thought was really 
interesting is this over all of these weeks we've said time and time again abide in Jesus stay connected to him with him and as we do this wonderful act that Jesus did with his disciples many many years ago he, he did as an example to us and thousands and millions of believers have continued to do so what we do is we take the bread and we take the wine or the Ribena juice, the body and the blood of Jesus, broken for us, shed for us. As we partake in that, we are deliberately, intentionally choosing and positioning and posturing our lives in such a way as we're saying, Jesus, come live in me. Take up residence in me. Dwell in me. Less uh, less of me and more of you in my life. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you have some bread at home, Either you're by yourself or you're with your family. Uh, just simply take the bread. By all means, just share it amongst yourselves and just take it. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as you're doing that yourself, by yourself, with other loved ones just go ahead and share and I want to just conclude just, just simply by praying let's pray Jesus we thank you for your ultimate sacrifice upon the cross that through your body being broken and your blood shed for us your sacrifice is enough for the forgiveness of our sins we thank you that today is a new day that everything before is paid for because of the cross of Jesus we thank you that there is forgiveness for sins. And today we choose life. We choose relationship with you. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell deeply in our lives again. Come Holy Spirit.
as we're praying, I, I just think there'll be many of us watching today where you know there's, there's some pattern of behavior, some, something in your life that you just know that, that God and you need to do business with. And there's something that has gotten control of you and you want to be in control of it. And so as we pray, just pray that the power of God be upon you. And that you would have control over it. And I pray that you'd have the courage to, uh, to share that with someone else that will walk the journey with you. Oh. So as our dog barks, uh, it is time to conclude. It has been fantastic uh, to meet again together. Be encouraged. Please encourage one another. Please love one another. Please reach out to someone else. We're continuing to, to be apart, but we're very much together. Uh, love and God bless.